welcome to Transformation. I'm farm broadcaster Don Wick with the latest in our podcast series. Transformation is made possible through a partnership with the Red River Farm Network, Linder Farm Network, and the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Numerous stakeholders have also provided support, including the Minnesota Farm Bureau Foundation and West Central Initiative Fund. Our guest is Don Chisholm from Hawley, Minnesota. We know accidents happen all the time in our everyday lives, especially for those of us in agriculture. Grain bins are one of those areas that that need special attention. Don, uh, would you be willing to share your story? I sure will. First of all, I want to thank you for having me and reaching out to us. It has been 20 years since my first husband, Bill Lambert, made a fatal decision to enter a grain bin at his work. He worked at a little facility, agricultural facility, Leonard in Leonard, North Dakota. And it was in the middle of February, so actually February 7th, 2002. It's a day that I'll just always remember. He went to work that day, like any other day, just like all of us. We get up and we have our routine, and he went to work. And he had a job that needed to get done. And again, probably like everybody else around us, especially in the rural areas, we have done things a hundred times before, and we don't think anything is going to happen to us. And he had a job to do to empty this grain bin of corn, and he entered it with every unsafe scenario. Because I know he's probably done it before, he wanted to get the job done, and he wanted to get home to his family. Bill entered the grain bin without a spotter. He entered the grain bin without wearing a harness, without checking the air quality, and he entered the bin with a running, unguarded auger. When he entered the bin, which had crusted, the corn had crusted because of our Midwest weather, that just happens, he entered it with uh, knowing that he needed to bring the corn to the center of the bin to auger it out. And when he went to shovel the corn that had now crusted and wasn't moving, he took a scoop shovel and knocked it down into the corner or the center, and it knocked his feet out from underneath him. And Bill was a large man. He was 6'1", 240, and it knocked his foot into that running unguarded auger. When his site supervisor, which was nowhere in sight, hear the belt squealing on the auger, he came running to check on Bill, and when by the time he got there and looked inside the bin, which just had to be seconds, all he could see was the tips of Bill's fingers above the corn. He dials 911, 20 minutes away, the Castleton Fire Department is activated. I have to believe that Bill was gone, obviously, before they even got to the site in order for me to kind of know and to be able to relive this day over and over again. I'm not angry with Bill. I know why he did what he did, just like everybody else around us. We still kind of do things that we think, you know, I'll quick do it. I'll quick look at my phone while we're, you know, driving or I'm texting and driving. You know, maybe had a couple extra drinks and drive. We all do things that we just think that we can get away with. Not doing it to be just uh, spiteful or anything like that, but just because we're human and we're, we think we're invincible. My goal is to get out and speak in front of anybody that will hear me. Uh, obviously, the agricultural community is dear and near to my heart. 
but I have spoken anywhere to larger agricultural companies, facilities, uh, fire departments, safety conferences, uh, you Titan machineries, your John Deere's, your workforce safety. I have actually been invited to come into some FFA groups, get into the younger group uh, generation to kind of help them along as well. I donate harnesses to different auctions or even different communities in, our, in order to hope that they will use them because if you don't even have them, you can't use them. And you got to use them correctly, too. I mean, there's the point of that. But with the help of uh, now our three grown children, I have a little clip in there, about a 10-minute video of them talking about things that they missed out on because of their dad's, their birth dad's split-second decision, his split-second decision, his if-only decision. And it's very emotional. I'm not there to talk and preach to people to follow this rule and that rule. I'm there to relive that day of 20 years ago, February 7th, 2002. I relive it. I talk about us getting up and having our routine, everybody making it to their appropriate places, school and work. Again, another routine to check in with each other in the afternoon, and, and then that's when I found out Bill was entrapped and engulfed in a green bin. Talk about waiting for the rescue team to get him out, me seeing him for the first time, myself and family and friends having gone back to our small community of Castleton, North Dakota, to our little home there, and having to tell, at the time, our 10-year-old daughter, 9-year-old son, and a little 11-month-old youngest daughter, having to tell those older two that their dad had died. I mean, just even me talking about it right now, it just still puts that lump in my throat. But I just feel it's such a calling. It's where I'm supposed to be right now. That's where I'm just supposed to be doing this. And if I can save one life through all the talks that I do do and give, then I feel it's successful. Um, it's about a 45-minute talk. I'll go wherever the doors open. I have been basically through the Midwest. Um, I have a website, uh, www.ifonlyllc.com. Um, I use my phone number. I'm okay to give that. It's 701-566-3920. People can text me. Yeah, it's just a passionate, passionate thing. As you can tell when I speak, I just want people to be aware of their decisions and how they not only impact themselves, but how they impact others as well. How did it yes, impact exactly. the family? I mean, obviously, a young kid, that, uh, it's a tough scenario. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I became a single mother within seconds, and, you know, my worry was, how am I going to financially support my family? Um, I have a young boy, um, you know, how am I going to teach him things that a father should teach him? I think about uh, teaching Sarah, my oldest at the time, how to drive. Things that, you know, a father should be there for, um, you know, teach Alex how to hunt and fish. I mean, simple repairs around the house became overwhelming to me. I guess I was very blessed 
be in a small community of Castleton, North Dakota. Uh, Castleton at the time was about, I don't know, about 3,000 people. Our church, the First Presbyterian Church there in Castleton, that is one good thing about living in a small community. I mean, everybody rallies around you. I think that first three months, I had someone at my door around that 5, 5.30 time. Uh, my minister at the time asked me, Don, what's going to be the toughest time of the day for you? And I said, it's going to be that 5.36 o'clock when I'm expecting him to walk in the door. So I had someone there just to kind of support me. We had meals brought to us. Um, I had a beautiful, and Bill too, um, luckily it was around family. My family was from around here. Bill's family's from around there as well. And, I mean, they were there. And, you know, that first year, you look back at it and you're in shock. And you kind of even try to remember some of the things that you did or had to do. And you have later conversations with people. Well, do you remember this? Remember that? And I'm like, boy, honestly, I don't. I don't. I think your body goes into survival mode and you just try to get up every day and, and make sure the kids are fed and the house is somewhat clean. Eventually make it back to work. You know, try to help the kids with their homework. And it was a blessing that we had little Anna, our youngest one, at 11 months. You know, the older two, you know, if you think about it, they could have survived. I could have put cereal on the table for breakfast and lunch and dinner, and they could have survived. But little Anna, she needed someone to physically take care of her. And I think it was definitely a blessing that I got to have her at the tail end. And she just kind of helped me along as well. And same as the older ones. Um, Alex William at nine years old, which I look back and I, it makes me a little sad, is but he kind of stepped up to be the man in the household, if you will. Um, he mowed lawn. I remember we had to put a, a block on the the brake and the clutch for the riding lawnmower because he was so short. He still couldn't reach all that stuff. Um, you know, changing a doorknob was overwhelming for me. But again, I was blessed with a small community that reached out and family and friends, like I said, they just reached out and loved on us. Um, I have since remarried and uh, married a wonderful man, and we are a combined family of seven children. We're currently empty nesters, and and in loving the the grandparenthood, yeah, just kind of loving the ends of our life here. And uh, But I really am passionate about getting out and speaking, and I'm blessed that my husband, current husband, Randall, supports me. I've often told him if the tables are reversed, I don't know how I would feel about it, but he does a great job of letting me be the person I am. And one of the things he said to me one time is, Don, I love the person you are, and your past has made you who you are. That's kind of where I'm at in my life. It's it's an amazing story. How does it resonate when you're, when you're out speaking with groups? Uh, what kind of feedback do you get, Don? You know, it's totally uh, amazing, the people that will come up and visit with me afterwards. I've had people anywhere from uh, young, you know, mid-20s to a gentleman that was probably in his 70s at one point. I talk a lot about the children and the things that they miss, and I have had these people come up to tell me, uh, the one gentleman I remember come up and said, I'm your Sarah. Sarah was, is our oldest, and he goes, I'm your Sarah. And he turned around and walked away, and us as women, of course, you want to, 
going to reach in and, and help and do more. And all I could think about after that drive home or driving home that day is like, what was that about? What was that supposed to be about? And all I could think about is, you know what? I bet you something like this happened to him as a child. And he's 70 years later or 60 years later, whatever the case may be, he is still grieving because he still had tears welled up in his eyes. And it's like, I feel not only if I'm hoping to maybe make a, people realize that their choices matter, that maybe they'll slow down and do things safely, but also helping people grieve from past experiences that they've had. I honestly think I have more feedback about that than I do about, you know, oh, I wish my husband or my wife or my son or whatever would, you know, come hear you because then they would slow down and think about things better. It's honestly, it's, and when I think about it, it's the people that have ha- had a loss in their life come up and they say, thank you for sharing. You've helped me realize that I'm not the only one that has gone through this. Unfortunately, there's been so many accidents and I've had so many young wives or even you know, just wives in general come up to me and we've become friends and we talk on a weekly basis because they've lost their husband or a son in a similar situation. The feedback is phenomenal. And every time I hear one, I know that's my affirmation to keep on going. How do folks get in touch with you? If they Do you have a website if they wanted to track you down for, for one of your presentations? Yeah, excellent. I have a website. It's www dot if only llc.com and also i'm comfortable sharing my cell phone which is 701-566-3920 they can reach out to me that way as well yes thank you and thank you for reaching out and giving me this opportunity and and thank you for doing what you do as well because i know we're all in this together and uh, if we all can just help one person then i feel like we're successful Don Chisholm from Holly, Minnesota. Thanks to you, Don. Funding for this episode was provided by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. A reminder, you can hear all of our Transformation podcasts online at rrfn.com forward slash transformation. The podcasts are also available on the podcast tab at linderfarmnetwork.com. Transformation is also available on the other places you'll find podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify. As always, we'd like to remind you that help is available if you're dealing with a stressful situation. There's the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline, which is free, confidential. It is available 24-7. All of the calls are answered by trained counselors. That helpline number is 833-600-2670, or you can text 898211. Information is also available at minnesotafarmstress.com. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.